Joining me for an in-depth analysis on the day's movements in the market scene is Chantal Marks from FNB Wealth and Investments. Chantal, good afternoon to you. Thank you so much for joining us. Oh, it's only a pleasure. All right, Chantal, so it looks like markets are just sitting tight, really waiting for that U.S. inflation data. Um, I, I still can't believe that after all these months, this is still one of the biggest things to happen. When it happens, we all kind of stop and wait for it. Um, what are you expecting to see today um, coming out of the U.S. Fed? Yeah, I'm with you in the camp of I can't believe we're still talking about this. But, um, the market's really, uh, really stressed about U.S. Uh, inflation uh, because it does seem as if it's becoming a little bit more entrenched, which means that high inflation results in high inflation results in high inflation. Um, and because the Fed was a little bit behind the curb, um, it's battling to actually get inflation or inflation expectations. Um, under control. Because, of course, if inflation expectations go down, um, it does have an impact on what actually happens on the ground in terms of inflation going forward. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I mean, we had a U.S. midterm elections uh, come up as almost a non-event because of this. Um, and really the importance is because if inflation is it stays high and continues to exceed expectations, we're going to have the U.S. continuing, the U.S. Federal Reserve continuing to increase interest rates quite aggressively. That is bad for equity markets and it's bad for the bond market. Of course, the converse is true as well. If inflation comes in below expectations, or I think at this point just meets expectations, uh, you could see a nice kick in risk assets because interest rate expectations will come down. I think we'll still probably continue to see hikes going forward, um, but I think the pace of the hikes uh, is now what is in hot debate. Chantal, I can't help but think that this interest rate conversation is just reflective of a one-trick pony. That the only way that we can even, um, you know, uh, uh, try to combat high inflation is with interest rates. And if we don't get it right on that front, then what else could we possibly do for inflation? Well, there, there really isn't much you can do. I mean, uh, even if you look at uh, relief for consumers, it's still artificial. Um, the issues will still be there. I think... One of the things that we can also do is we can wait, we can kind of wait out those supply side constraints mm. because that is also still having an impact on inflation. You have two types of inflation. You have demand pull, which means consumers are spending more and businesses are spending more. And then you have supply push inflation. And that comes as a result of supply chain constraints and some of the supply chain bottlenecks that we were facing coming out of COVID-19 just as they started dissipating, um, having the war in Ukraine really, really uh, amplify uh, those issues and amplify it beyond uh, what the issues were in COVID-19. And have we ever had, like, when was the last time we saw such market volatility? We can literally have a great day on the JSC, all indices green, and then literally by 10 o'clock the next morning, it is a sea of red. Is this kind of volatility unprecedented? Have we seen the markets just this jittery before? So we absolutely have seen these markets uh, jittery like this before. And you just you don't even have to cast your mind back very long ago. Mm -hmm. um, during the COVID-19 early days, the market was just as volatile. And and I mean, there are a variety of other examples of where you would find market volatility like this. But the thread that kind of binds it together is this uncertainty, the not knowing um, that's really spooking investors and grabbing onto anything that they can in terms of 
finding, like dissecting the information and finding more clarity in terms of where we are going to be in the next three, six, uh, nine to 12 months. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, a, it's a difficult one. And that is why you are seeing big moves one day and, and um, to the one side and then big moves to the other side the next. Yeah, I mean, what I was taught in varsity is that the market, market participants are completely rational. And it's just not what I'm getting um, during this time, Chantal. Okay, now let's bring it back home. We do have a public sector strike looming. Um, that's not really reflective in markets. I actually don't see markets um, even speaking about it because of this U.S. inflation decision really overpowering absolutely everything. Yeah, so I mean, it actually, I see that the, the hospitals union has already started with their strike. So, so we've already started. Um, I think the expectation is that it will be resolved pretty soon um, because I don't think that there's a lot of patience on, on either side, really, for a long protracted uh, strike. And um, what we've seen in the past when it comes to public sector um, uh, discord and strikes is that the market does sometimes price it sometimes it doesn't um the last time we had a big public sector strike so let's assume this one is going to be big um was in 2010 um what we saw then was the market come under pressure but by the time the strike was resolved three weeks later the market was actually higher than it was at the start so so really the jsc not only um impacted by by kind of um current events, but also by what is expected to happen in the future. Mm-hmm. Um, and then also what, of course, is happening in the international arena. And what we must remember about a public sector strike is it's a lot more painful for us ordinary citizens in terms of service delivery mm-hmm. than it actually is from a financial point of view. Mm-hmm. Um, and if the strike gets resolved, it's not like public servants won't get back pay if there's a, an agreement that is reached. Mm-hmm. That will still occur, which means that that disposable income will still be the system. Yeah, and I think that's definitely what um, Mark, the markets want to hear. Let's talk about SAPI, um, a reasonable performance from them. They've reinstated their dividend. Um, let's just talk about what you're seeing from there. Um, nothing really stood out for me from this set of results. I think they should just be satisfied that they've really done well. Um, and it seems that they're, they're managing to maneuver their way through the headwinds quite well. Yeah, just a wonderful example of what a stronger size of management team can do for a company that was actually in a lot of trouble uh, a couple of years ago. Um, I think in this result, it was just another steady performance, um, some really good price increases coming through in certain of their product lines. Uh, they beat on revenue and earnings, uh, not by much, but a beat is a beat, right? Mm-hmm. And then we did see the big share price reaction. And I mean, as I scratched through those results, uh, they were two standouts for me. So the first one is they actually declared a dividend. Um, and what that means is that they now feel confident enough in the state of their balance sheet and their cash flow going forward to start paying dividends again. Um, SAPI was always a regular dividend payer, not a huge dividend player, a payer. But uh, just the fact that they're reinstating that tells us that the, that the management team is confident with where the business is at the moment. Mm-hmm. And then the second thing was that they brought down debt by more than expected. Mm. And it really is at a much more sustainable level now, which means they now have room for growth again. And they've got room to work on, on some of their assets. And we have seen um, them guide for CapEx to increase. Um, they're going to transform some of their mills into to new and better uh, product lines. And I think that medium term, that will also improve the, the growth outlook for them. All right, so we have like 20 seconds left. Um, left. Let's talk about your stock pick. It is MTN. Um, why have you decided to go with this one? 
So, so technically, MTN looks quite good at the moment. But apart from that, I think the fundamental, um, the fundamental investment case has de-risked significantly. Um, it was such a smart strategy of them to list their subs um, on the different stock exchanges and really get local uh, stock stockholders in those countries involved because it does reduce political risk somewhat. Damn. They're exiting some of their Middle East businesses, which will further de-risk it. And then, of course, you have data just growing more and more smartphone penetration increases. Um, and finally, I think that the fintech business is really strong and a potential unbundling um, over the next few years of that business could unlock further shareholder value. All right. Thank you so much for your time, Chantal. Always an absolute pleasure getting your insights. That was Chantal Marks from FNB Wealth and Investments.